Welcome to Quadruple Overtime. I'm David. And I'm Tyler. Ah, yeah. Who has the long pause this time, Tyler? <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say we have on the phone Tyler, and I was going to be like, why am I always the guy on the phone? <laughs> we're both on the phone. <laughs> That's true. I am on the other end of the phone. <laughs> yeah, but for some reason, like in the last one, you're like, and Tyler, via phone. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just dropping into this. Like, I, I'm a guest. Yeah, Tyler doesn't exist anywhere but on the phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you can't tell, uh, we're still quarantined, so we're virtually recording this together. Um, yes. I, I hope everyone's staying health and safe out there. But uh, we actually, today, we uh, we have a guest I'm really excited about, someone I read. It's, uh, well, Dave, why don't you tell us? It's uh, I was kind of jealous that I wasn't able to go. So we had the New York uh, Daily News beat writer for the Mets, Disha Thozar, um, and she was great to talk to. Once again, we're in quarantine, so we had to be virtual. But, you know, if you're a Met fan, just a baseball fan in general, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. She knows everything about the Mets. <laughs> like, she, I, I, if I could know half of what she knows, I would be just a happy person, just... She knows all the every insight into the players, everything I want. I'm thinking about what's Michael Walker doing? Is he is he he's going to be the fifth starter now? Now Syndergaard's getting Tommy John. How'd the Tommy John go? She knows it all. Maybe uh, during the episode you'll find some things out about Dominic Smith. So we'll find out. Ooh! All right, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Hi, welcome back. Today we have Disha Thozar, who's the Mets Beach reporter for the New York Daily News, with us on the phone. Disha, thanks so much for, for taking this time. Of course. Thanks for having me. And where have you been uh, quarantined for the last uh, few days? Um, I've been in Manhattan in my apartment. Um, I live in Harlem, and thankfully I have a couple of roommates to keep me sane, so it hasn't been too hard so far. So, hey, if you're in Harlem, that's kind of a long commute uh, out to City Field. I mean, that's not close is, to the 7. Yeah. No, no, it's not. I usually have to hop on the 4 or 5. It takes me about an hour on a good day. That's when the Express isn't running. So, uh, so it's it's definitely a long commute. Your thoughts on the 7 train? Because I, I like to go on the record saying that I think the 7 train is the most unreliable train in New York. Because you, like, you always get the local. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, the times can be completely infrequent, and there's nothing you can do about it, because there's no transfers. Once you're on the 7, you're on the 7, so <laughs> it's not exactly convenience sake, but... Have, have you ever had an experience... ...getting to City Field. Yeah, exactly. Because you you stay late, because maybe you're writing a piece, have you ever had an experience where you're late at the ballpark, and you're like the, on the last 7 train coming back into Manhattan? Oh yeah, that's that's definitely happened, and definitely if it gets too late, um, I'll usually Uber back home because it's especially if it's a weekday, I don't think it's too safe. Um, but on Friday, Saturday nights, it's usually packed with people, so I'm not too worried about it being the last train or unsafe. But it's still a little a little too far for my liking. Yeah, I had the opposite experience when the All Star Game was in City Field. It was almost too many people. <laughs> to right. get on the train and I actually had to Uber because I've never seen the 7 train that packed for oh, the US packed. Open or anything. 
Right, yeah. It's even worse when the U.S. Open is going because there's no way. It's like one, like a whole crowd is going to the left, another one is exiting to the right. You're like, oh, man. Yeah. Never want to do this again. It's actually good for us because we have to get there way before the fans do. So no complaints there. <laughs> <laughs> so you were you were in Port St. Lucie for spring training. I was, yeah. Thought so it would be you... a little longer, but. Yeah, so what? tell us uh, how you found out that you were coming back home or, or what was the reaction there when you found out kind of as events unfolded um well my situation was actually a little different because this year as opposed to last i actually had um a few days off from port st lucy whereas last year i did like 41 straight nights um but i came home thinking that i would go back in three or four days so i left some things um with there and they stored it in their like hotel rooms and as soon as i came back they were like yeah it's it looks like it's going to be suspended and I'm getting all of this news and I'm like, Oh no, it's really not going. It was a complete shock to me because even when I left it, it just didn't seem like it was, no one was really taking it seriously at that point beyond like talking to players and stuff and yeah. being careful. But, um, I actually left for back for New York a day before they closed the clubhouse to media. So I didn't even actually have to experience any of that transition but from what i heard it was not it was not great it was like one domino after another yeah and i would just say what was the reaction of the players but i guess because you're already home you wouldn't know yeah i was already home but um even then like i the day before that we were allowed in the clubhouse um players were just taking it normally it wasn't i mean no one at that point had thought the season would be um, postponed or suspended it was just like oh this is another thing that we have to do until things get back to normal um and even even after spring training was suspended players are still like it's okay like baseball will be up and running soon but it definitely is just getting worse and worse as new information comes out yeah have you been talking to any players about what they've been trying to uh to do to stay kind of active and stay in shape at this time yeah, I've heard from a couple. I know that they're just kind of playing, like either just playing around in the gym, working out a lot more, maybe in their backyard. But um, it's more of just how you would expect anyone to be loose. Like there's not too much competitive, um, organized workouts going on right now. And not even just because they're, you can't be in, you know, social distancing wise, you can't be in groups, but more so because players are not completely sure when the season will start. So it's kind of like, do we put in all this effort now? And then we're going to be waiting months anyway, or should we wait yeah. to ramp things back up? Yeah, and I feel like the, the Mets kind of got away with the, some of the off-season stories because they had the, the failed sale. They had right. you know, the whole thing with Beltran at manager. You know, now Syndergaard is now going to have Tommy John. But no one's yeah. talking about that at all because everyone's talking about coronavirus. Right. Yeah, and they I, did. They're, I, they're definitely getting away with it. I mean, the biggest team to get away with it is the Astros. It's now no. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Astros were, you know, front page news talking about them being back after the scandal. But now, right. everybody everybody wants to talk about. But when are we gonna have sports in general? Yeah. Right, but things like that, I feel like fans. I mean, as bad as the situation right now is, and of course everyone's hoping that they can stay safe and we kind of get out of this okay. I do think that baseball fans are a little stubborn and stingy and that they're not going to forget um, when the Astros do come to town. I think they're still definitely going to get booed. Um, It might not be as vicious, maybe even depending on if fans might not be allowed in the crowd at the time, but I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, I heard heard one take that once you take reporters 
uh, access away from the clubhouse, it's hard to get it back. Do you feel oh, like yeah. do you feel like you're going to have a kind of an uphill battle going into the season to get access to to players, or do you think that they'll they'll still be willing to talk? Um, oh, I think it really depends just based on where the coronavirus situation is going to be, um, if and when baseball starts up this season. I think if, if they waited more so, if it was a case where crowds aren't allowed as well, then I think they're going to try to keep media out of the clubhouse as well. So in that sense, it is, it's difficult to get it back. But from, from the league, at least, they, they do seem like they're stressing the fact that they'll get us back in there once it's safe to do so. So as long as everyone's cooperating on all ends, I'm not too worried about it this time, but anytime you lose any amount of access, it's like a red flag for us because it's just been chipping away for years now. Yeah, exactly. And did you, do you have a favorite player, uh, either met or non met that to interview so far or. Um, I mean, Pete Alonso always gives you something great. <laughs> Honestly, he has to be my favorite player to interview just because you kind of never know what you're going to get out of him. It could be a simple question like, how did you feel today? Or like something more in-depth that you're working on a piece. And you can you can always rely on Pete Alonso to give you an entertaining story. So I would say yeah, he's, he's my favorite. Yeah, he's a very genuine uh, person. I thought uh, during the award ceremony when Seinfeld introduced him. Yeah. So that, yeah, that, that was a pretty mm-hmm. good one. Yeah, he's um, that's pretty much him every day. Do you prefer just writing off camera or do you prefer prefer being on camera? Um, I mean, I I definitely like both. I started in college on my paper at Penn State, um, Daily Collegian. So I started out writing and writing is always my go-to. It's It comes more naturally to me, but um, I, I really now am starting to enjoy just like talking about now that I can cover I'm on a beat it's much easier to talk about the team you cover on camera um, so I don't I don't mind either and I'm comfortable doing both but we'll see now that where the industry is headed I like keeping both options um, open so I think it's a good place to be yeah I feel like also where the industry is headed uh, you hear a lot of the old school writers complain about how the younger generation is just tweeting the entire game so oh like yeah that, that's half the job now is you have to be able to have those real-time takes yeah. on Twitter. Right. You definitely have to handle social media in a way, but even I'm noticing now, I mean, it's definitely not as important as um, some people put it out to be because, I mean, you're not – writers aren't getting anything back in in return and other than attention to their stories and viewership and all of that. But when it comes to live-tweeting the games, that's definitely not something I, I ever do. I'll, I'll try to do things that – people don't notice or whatever because most people that are even on twitter are watching the game so i find that a little pointless um and have you ever been able to swing uh or take some cuts at city field have you ever i have not i have not no not as yet at least i always feel like um you know writers that cover the team especially the beat writers have this like unlimited access they can do whatever they want but I feel yeah, like uh, I just kind of made case. that up in my head. <laughs> you did. <laughs> you you and a lot of others don't feel bad about it. But, yeah, we're pretty restricted. And anything other than you see us writing about, I mean, if, if it was like, you know, if, if we even got to do things like that, if people would know about it. Um, but it, it's, still, it's still definitely a good gig. Wouldn't trade it for the world. <laughs> what do you think the other, like, big misconception about beat writers is? Whether it's, like, your friends with the players now and, like, going out for coffee with them or 
<laughs> yeah, I've gotten that a lot, especially my first year. It's like, oh, so now you just hang out with the players like every day. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. Like, they still like want nothing to do with us. You know, like they'll answer our questions, but that's pretty much it. Um, and then the other thing is obviously free tickets. Like everyone thinks as soon as you're a beat writer, you get to give like dozens of tickets to every family member and friend that you know, which is also just completely not true. So there, there are misconceptions out there that I think will always be there because it makes sense to a certain level but it's it's just not true yeah have you ever had an awkward interaction where you wrote maybe a negative piece or a critical piece about a player and then you had to see them in the clubhouse the next day oh yeah for sure definitely have had that but i mean that's part of part of the job i just try to go up to them it's it's separate like this is more for my job it's entertainment value and most of the time the player's like yeah yeah we get it like we don't even read it really they try to stay off social media as much as they can. Yeah, but the, the, hey, the Daily News has some catchy headlines. What, yeah. what, what was now? Do you write your own headlines if it's on a if it's a Mets headline piece on the back page or? Um, no, the, from... ba- the back page we have amazing editors for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're really good at what they do, and they've been doing it for decades. Um, so they really honed honed in on those skills. But yeah, we definitely have some good headlines. What has been one of your favorite headlines for one of your pieces? Um, I the one that stands out to me right away is after Judge hit the uh, 53rd homer and broke. Um, I mean, not Judge. Uh, Pete Alonso hit the 53rd homer and broke Judge's record, and uh, the back yes. page said uh, "overruled," and it was like Alonso's bat going through the overruled letters, so it looked like like an actual gavel. You know, it was pretty cool. That's pretty funny. Um, and did you, did you play baseball growing up, or did you just kind of get no, into I, it? Yeah, I, I just got into it watching with my dad and my brother. I used to play soccer, actually. So playing-wise, I've always been obsessed with soccer. I don't watch soccer as much, but um, definitely like, when I was four years old, I remember like, sitting down in front of the TV and like starting to make my own scorebook because I just didn't understand like what was happening at that point. So the only way I would get it is if I like wrote it down, like play by play. So I think I still have it somewhere saved. It would be cool to dig up. But yeah, I just got, I got into baseball, like watching with my family, basically the way anyone else would, I feel like. Yeah. I'm also weird that I, I need to score the games too. And whenever I go to the game, whenever I go to a game, I still buy the program to yeah. score the game. I have a friend. It's weird my... without it. Yeah, I, I 100%. Like, also, you kind of build a camaraderie with your section. You're like, yep. was that looking or swinging? Was that looking or swinging? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Like, you need to be in on every play, every movement that happens. I feel like I, I don't trust uh, a baseball fan that doesn't know, like, seven, eight, nine is left, <laughs> center, right. Like, uh, you're, not, you're not doing it <laughs> <Totally>. right. <laughs> right, totally. If they don't know, it's like, get out, man. What, do you, what sport are you watching? So, without further ado, what's your craziest, funniest, most embarrassing sports story? Um, yeah, so I was trying to think of this before, and I mean, this is the closest I can get to. It was embarrassing in the sense that it was the the whole like day in itself. So I think I think it would count as embarrassing. But um, since this opening day, just to recall, on last year's opening day, it was my first year as a beat writer, and I had no idea kind of like what to expect travel wise and just how it all goes down. So. The Mets started out in D.C. Um, they had actually a, a great opening day from 
Cano and Edwin Diaz, which is perfect for Brody's deal because he had just got them from Seattle. So it made sense for them, of course, to win because of both of them. And they took two out of three from the Nats. Um, Then we go to Miami, and they swept in Miami. But I was nervous about that last game because it was a night game. And the next day, it was Thursday, would be the Mets' home opener at City Field at 1 p.m. So I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to have to wake up super early Thursday morning, catch that flight, and go straight to City Field. And that's what I did. And I showed up, I think, on three and a half hours of sleep um, at Clubhouse. And I'm dragging my feet, and then I realize there are, like, no players in here at report time. And, of course, obviously the players are going to be way more tired than than the beat writers. Um, they, we soon find out that the reason they were so tired and, sl- and they lost that game for nothing, the home opener. Um, but the reason they were so tired and sluggish is because they left Miami late because Dom- Dominic Smith had to take a drug test. Um, of course, right after their night game and right before they got on the plane to go to New York. And it was funny because he he just couldn't go enough. Like it's it's just a urine a urine sample, but um, like he had to keep chugging bottles of water, chugging bottles of water. So um, I, I told like the tweets are going out about this, and my editor and I are going back and forth. And he's like, we need like we need this to be our back page. Like this needs to be an exclusive. So now I'm doing a one-on-one interview with Dominic <laughs> talking to him about like his his pee essentially. And I'm oh, just the like, two okay, and you, the two of <laughs> you are so tired, like. <laughs> Right. We're so tired. And, and he's like, the game is over. They just lost 4 nothing. And I'm like, okay, but how many bottles of water did you drink? And then did you have to go more on the on the plane? Because by then you had, like, drank too much. Like, it was just, like, an insane interview that, like, in, in hindsight, like, was so unnecessary just because of how tired we both were. Like, they lost. Like, not needed. But it made for a good story. <laughs> but I was pretty embarrassed, like, asking him those questions. And was it was it the back cover? It was, yeah. They did a back page out of some I forget now even what the the headline was, but it was about Dom and like he couldn't go enough or something. <laughs> like he couldn't go enough and the Mets couldn't win enough or something like that. That's too funny. Yeah, I feel like so many people when they look at the schedule, they don't think about the human element of Exactly. Yeah, yeah like you can't get from Miami to New York in that short of a time. Like their travel time no. is included. Right. And even for us, I mean, they have a charter plane, the team, so it's, you know, they had to wait for Dom to even finish, but they could leave after, whereas there were no flights out after the game on Wednesday night. That made sense for me. So I had to leave Thursday morning and go straight to City Field after. So I showed up for the home opener with like a couple suitcases, a couple extra clothes. I was like, oh man, need to shower. Like it was a rough day all around. (laughs) I also feel like uh, most people think that you might travel with the team, and they don't think that oh, you're yeah. just you're doing JetBlue and Delta. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I'm getting those Delta points, but I'm definitely traveling alone. Yeah, have you another misconception? You, do you run into uh, most of the other Met riders or sports riders on on your path to the games? Yeah, I definitely see um, some other. Delta reporters with me that that are getting those points. Um, but all right, I mean, d- depending on what it is, it could be way more packed. Like for the winter meetings, the whole plane was basically just baseball people, and they're like networking while you're on like six-hour flight to San Diego. It's like, oh man, just let me sleep. And like at that point, like, you're already working. You know, like I would log those as work hours. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, you, you mentioned that the, the Metro playing in the Marlins Park. I feel like Marlins Park is one of the weirdest things that a little like aquarium that goes around the whole field. 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure if they still have it because I know after um, Derek Jeter came in, he made a bunch of renovations and changes. So even that big fish that used to be um, in center field is is now gone and it's like this three-level bar. Um, but I get even a chance last year to walk around and like see if that aquarium still exists. But I know that Jeter made a lot of changes, so like flipped it all around. So yeah, it might not I, even be there anymore. I guess I haven't been there, but I was just say, what's one of the weirder things that you've seen in the ballpark that the average fan just wouldn't know? That's a good question, actually. I don't know because it's it's hard. I mean, yeah, that's and that might even be another misconception is that like there's there's rarely any free time unless it's like a super slow day in the middle of the summer that where you're like walking around and like taking things into the ballpark at least i'm way too busy to be doing stuff like that but um the one thing that i pay attention to when i when i go to ballparks um around the the country is their food so like when we went to kansas city it was like huh well what could i get that they sell here that they won't have at city field and i'm not sure if this is in kansas city or somewhere else in the midwest but um it was like this strange chili dog action that like had 1,000 toppings on it. <laughs> so unnecessary. It's like, oh, definitely don't. You can keep a chili dog the way it is. Maybe that's how they do it out there. Yeah, I went to last year. The MLB put on uh, the Taste of the MLB or whatever, something like that, where they had the yeah, thir- yeah. 30 different dishes from 30 different teams. Right. And, uh, the the Seattle uh, Mariners, their their famous dish is the crickets. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't right. want, I don't want to eat crickets at yeah. a ball game. <laughs> Right, like if you're going to try it, you could try it, but that doesn't seem like a good snack. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I guess another misconception must be that you eat a lot of hot dogs or something, because that's like the typical <laughs> ballpark food. <laughs> definitely, some, some of the people I work with will definitely go for hot dogs more often than I do, but that's like a last resort for me. <laughs> it's like, oh, did, forgot to have dinner, like let me grab a quick like dollar hot dog. Yeah, so how often do you go to the Shake Shack in center field at City at City Field? Oh man, that Shake Shack! I'll go whenever I don't see a line there. Honestly, like last last year got bad. Like especially in the middle of the summer, I'd be like, "Oh man, is this like my third time here this week? Like, I need to tone it down because that'll be like a good group outing for some of us. Where it's like, all right, we have like an hour before the game starts. Like, it's time to eat. Let's go to Shake Shack. Like, we already know what we're doing. But yeah, we'll we'll hit up that Shake Shack pretty often. Yeah, so, I mean, with the this hiatus of live sports, I would say, like, what's the, the biggest thing that you've missed from, like, not being able to go to the ballpark every day? What's the, yeah, like, what do I what's miss? the first I thing you're going to do? I definitely miss all of it, yeah. I mean, at this point, I'm starving for baseball. I don't even know how I'm going to make it two months. But, um, I mean, I, I just miss all of it. I miss the routine of it, like, traveling, like, you know, reporting, like, talk, like having, you know, a consistent schedule. If you just – every single part of it but it's i mean it's good it's good that we're all staying home and like hopefully this this can mean we'll have an opening day even faster but it's not easy i was gonna ask you the same thing like what what you guys have been doing like without content and everything yeah i mean just as a fan it's just kind of been hard because i feel like all my conversations are now centered around either coronavirus or the lack of sports Right. I'm just like, can we talk about anything else? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to even like take your your mind off of it for a second, especially when there's not enough information out there to to make someone feel better about it. So it's understandable. Yeah, but I saw Japan went back to playing baseball with no fans. They did. Yeah, I think that happened um, last week or something. They did it sooner so, than I thought. So to those 
listeners that are really craving live baseball. <laughs> <laughs> right. They can tune into Japan. It's just that they, they were they, they had it figured out way sooner and way more systematically than U.S. has so far. It's been like, I mean, one thing after the other. It's like, okay, we're like, if, even if in Japan, at least, even if you were to go into another street, like they take your temperature, um, which obviously like it's not happening here so i would say we're, we're way behind that happening but it, it's good that it's happening somewhere yeah no i'm uh i'm excited to get back to sports and i'm excited to get back to following everything and i'm excited for the 2020 mlb season it's uh yeah it's gonna be weird if it gets pushed and now the uh world series ends up in like late november yeah i actually saw scott boris actually um suggesting that the world series take place around christmas and it's like uh yeah maybe if everyone played in florida or arizona that would work but i don't know i don't see that happening i think mlb is already set on it being less than 162 games this year well if that does happen i mean there's been a a lot of calls for them to reduce the games anyway do you think if they reduce it from 162 they ever go back to 162 yeah, I think they will. Baseball's like so stingy like that, traditional. So I think like it's it's good to shorten it um, to make room for the pandemic that's happening. But next year, if unless the the strike could like the CBA could turn into a whole other thing. But um, as long as it keeps going, I don't think this will be too much of a change. But again, who knows? It could change going forward. Yeah, no. But seriously, thanks so much for coming on. And where can everyone find you for? Uh... For the Twitter and everything. Um, Twitter is just my first and last name. Um, but yeah, Twitter's probably easiest just to link to if that's what you're asking. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Well, it was good talking to you. So yeah, now you know all you need to know about the Mets, uh, the Mets season. How it's going to play out. Well, once baseball starts again. I think I know, I know too much about the Mets now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's never the I can never know enough about the Mets. That was I think, awesome. I think it was crazy. Uh, just a story about spring break. The fact that spring break. Sorry, spring training. Uh, the fact that she left Florida. I my time in Port St. Lucie. I went for. Uh, it was when the Mets were playing the Nationals, and it was when uh, Pudge was at like the end of his career, and he did a stint on the Nationals. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, like one of the weird things about spring training is you just a lot of these guys just would be on the sign signing autographs, and Yvonne Rodriguez signed the only thing I had on me, which was my Mighty Ducks hat. So I have a Mighty Ducks <laughs> Yvonne Rodriguez signed hat. <laughs> and you know what's weird is the way those like uh, the memorabilia stuff works. For some reason, that's worth like a hundred thousand dollars. Weird, like it's like oh well, you know, it's like coffee cup. Signed by like Dale Earnhardt Jr. or something like. <laughs> There's just the different things that they have a lot of you know worth. Yeah, very random. So, uh, <laughs> her her story about Dominic Smith, I, I didn't even remember that being a story about how he couldn't pee for the drug test. But I understand it. He's a little pee shy. I get it. Yeah, you know. Hey, nothing, nothing, hey, nothing against it, you know. And Dom's Dom's gonna have a breakout here. And you know, it's maybe it's a, it all worked. Maybe this this whole thing that's going to add to it. That's that's what that's what gave him the boost he needed. You know, <laughs> helping his mental game. <laughs> Sounds like a Mets fan. Just I'm trying to take anything I can. Just trying to be like that's that's what we're that's why we're going to be good this year. I'd love to be in the room of the Daily News or Post 
when they're making the headlines. I feel like. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know she. Uh, Deja talked about her favorite one was the one where uh, Pete Alonso beat Aaron Judge for most home runs as a rookie, and it said overruled with the bat going through it. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I just feel like those that room has to be hilarious. The, the ones that are probably what? not used. Yeah, probably the best ones. But no, that's that's like the. Uh... That's the brain trust. I mean, also just, you know, you have this room of people, or who knows how it is, you know, it's it's a mystery. But whoever does it, they, uh, that headline ends up becoming like the whole world sees always those daily news or New York Post covers. Like whenever, you know, on ESPN National TV, they always just show whatever those people in that room come up with. Well, you know, if I could quickly plug the best segment on TV, New York won in the papers. You know, that's uh-huh. what I'm... I'm looking for the papers. I'm looking for the headlines. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Pat Kiernan. Well, Come on whenever you want. Roger Clark. <laughs> the, uh, so where where can uh, everyone where can everyone listen to us, Dave? So follow us on Twitter, Instagram at Quadruple OT. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe and. Uh, you know, in this time of quarantine, hit us up on Twitter or something to tell us what you want to hear. Yeah, and we're going to get some more cool guests now. Everyone, they uh, we have some cool, one li- cool ones lined up. Yeah, so can't wait. So we'll see you uh, next week. See ya. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.